Good afternoon. You're listening to KFSK News for Wednesday, December 27th. I'm Hannah Floor. The Petersburg School District completed its yearly headcount last month and has nearly 670 students enrolled. That's about 40 more students than last year. That's important because part of the state funding formula is tiered based on enrollment. There's a funding cliff at 425 students. If the district falls even one student short of that number, it will lose hundreds of thousands of dollars in state funding. This tiered funding is distinct from the state of Alaska's per-enrolled student funding, something called Base Student Allocation, or BSA. They're both part of the larger school funding formula. The district has hovered close to the cliff for the last three years. Mara Lutomsky is executive assistant to the superintendent and board and helped with the headcounts. During the 2021 and 21-22 school years, the district was just two students shy of the cutoff. She says that made school administration really nervous. That would have been a significant cut that we would have had to find. Lutomsky says there were a few reasons why the numbers are rebounding. Last year's graduating senior class was tiny. The new kindergarten class is on the large side. That bumped this year's enrollment up away from the cliff. And the number of enrolled students dipped during COVID when roughly half a dozen families homeschooled their kids. Those students eventually re-enrolled, but district numbers stayed low. That's because a lot of families also moved out of town around the same time. Now, new families are moving in. Several of the recently hired teachers enrolled their kids in the district, and many of the people who moved to town to fill open jobs in the community also enrolled their kids in school. Lutomsky says that bodes well for the school district. As long as the economics of Petersburg stay intact, right now we're seeing um, small bits of growth. Lutomsky says administration expects the student count to stay about where it is for at least the next couple of years, based on those newly arrived families and outgoing and incoming class sizes. While teacher salaries in Alaska are slightly ahead of the national average, they are significantly behind the cost of living in the state. New data from the Alaska Department of Labor indicates that other states have been quicker to adjust the salaries of educators to compensate for higher costs, while Alaska has fallen behind. Robert Woolsey reports from Sitka. You still hear people grumble occasionally about teacher pay. They work only nine months of the year and yet draw higher salaries than many year-round workers. At one time, Alaska teachers really were the kings and queens of the hill. In 1980, according to a report in the latest issue of Alaska Economic Trends from the State Department of Labor, teacher pay in Alaska was 170% of the U.S. national average. Today, New York pays its teachers the most, and it's just 140% above the national average. Alaska teachers also had a pension plan that paid them a percentage of their salaries for life, along with full medical benefits. All told, labor economists argue that it gave Alaska a huge competitive advantage attracting teachers, despite a higher cost of living and the adjustment to a remote rural life. But that gravy train has long since left the station. Alaska pays the 10th highest average teacher salaries now, and the post-retirement benefits have all but disappeared. This is Mike Vieira, the president of the union representing teachers in Sitka, speaking to the school board during contract negotiations in the spring of 2022. They don't have the flexibility to wait for their salary to increase because they need to take those dollars 
and put them in an account and let them sit for as many years as possible so that they can have a chance of success in retirement. They don't have access to Social Security. They have one leg to stand on in retirement, and it's based on the amount of money that they earn today. Beginning in 2006, all new teachers in Alaska had to save for retirement if they were to have a retirement at all. No Social Security and no monthly pension checks. Still, the 10th highest salaries in the nation is not too bad, right? That might pencil out, except Alaska is among the five most expensive states to live in. That list includes Hawaii, Massachusetts, California, and New York. And while all those states used to trail Alaska in teacher pay, they've done better keeping up with rising costs. New York, Massachusetts, and California are one, two, and three in teacher pay nowadays. Hawaii is just behind Alaska at number 16. The economists in the State Department of Labor trace the drop-off in Alaska's teacher salaries to the mid-1990s, when a statewide retirement incentive program saw many older, highly paid teachers leave their jobs to be replaced by less expensive younger teachers. That knocked Alaska's average pay quite far down the list, and it's never rebounded. And inflation has done the rest. According to the Trends Report, national inflation over the last three decades was 108%, and Alaska is only one of four states to raise teacher salaries by less than 70% over those 30 years. And teachers have been hit particularly hard. Adjusting for inflation, real wages for all other workers in the state have risen 1% since the millennium, Those with bachelor's degrees have seen almost a 5% increase. Teachers, meanwhile, have experienced a real wage decrease of about 4% in the last 20 years. The Trends Report comes just as Alaska's school districts are preparing to write their budgets for next year. Most of those budgets are teacher salaries. In Sitka, it's about 80%, and yet not enough. Sitka School Board President Tristan Gavon is one of many advocates across the state who believe Alaska's education budget should account for inflation and reverse over 20 years of declining teacher pay. His frustration was evident at a board meeting one year ago. Our teachers need and deserve better pay and benefits. But as a school board and as a district, we have no way to raise revenues. So are largely at the mercy of the state and local government. And by extension... Alaska and Sitka residents. And based on data and trends, the opposite may be happening. Teachers who began in 2020 started at least 3% lower than those in the past, and that pay gap has expanded over time. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Eagle Crest Ski Area opened for the winter last week after getting some much-needed snow. The ptarmigan chair was the only lift running last Wednesday, but by Thursday, the hooter chair was open too. Eagle Crest manager Dave Scanlon says they hope to have the porcupine chair running soon. We're just as happy as can be that we've got the season underway and looking forward to to no interruptions and, and a good season ahead of us. Scanlon says the parking lot on Wednesday was nearly full and a steady flow of users came to the mountain throughout the day. The season opener was delayed for for weeks by heavy rain and warm temperatures. Now the cooler temperatures allow for more snowmaking, but Scanlon says the snowpack on the mountain is still very low. He encourages users to practice caution when hitting the slopes. We really want to always remind people this time of year to uh, keep uh, eyes out for unmarked hazards, um, little rocks, little trees poking through the snow. 
Eagle Crest will remain open daily through the holidays except New Year's Day. A former Kajikan church leader was handed a 20-year prison sentence last week for sexual abuse of a minor. And a note, the following news story could be triggering for some listeners as it contains details of sexual assault. Earlier this year, Dwight Chris John was charged with 14 counts of first, second, and third degree sexual abuse of a minor and three related felony charges. John pleaded guilty to consolidated charges. Last Thursday, Ketchikan Superior Court Judge Catherine Librand handed down the sentence. She said the final sentence of 20 years in prison and 30 years suspended will protect the community. If John, who is 72, is ever released from custody, Librand said, he will be a very elderly man subject to strict probation. Judge Librand also said that the impacts to the victim and community were profound and the ruling appropriately accounts for that impact. The victim's father took the stand at sentencing. He told the court that they have only just begun to fully realize the pain, sorrow, and damage John caused. The victim, who is now a teenager, originally reported the abuse to their father. They said John had been abusing them since the age of nine. The father then reported it to Alaska State Troopers. The victim's father went on to explain that the faith leader's crimes, quote, tore apart their family and caused them to leave the state to start fresh elsewhere. According to John's original charging documents, the former congregation leader of Clover Pass Community Church told the child's father during a phone call, monitored by law enforcement, that he almost decided not to take the leadership position because of the ongoing abuse. But he said he decided to because he felt God had forgiven him. Identifying details of the victim have been intentionally left out of this story, as it is KRBD's policy not to identify victims of sexual assault. Trident Seafoods, one of the largest seafood processors in the country, announced this month that it's selling off about a third of its Alaska processing plants. It's been a tough year for the state's fisheries, and as Brian Benoit reports from Kodiak, it's leaving everyone involved with more questions than answers. Jerry Cobbin Kanagan and her family have fished around Kodiak and sold harvest to Trident on and off for decades. She says the announcement was a huge shock for almost everyone on the island. Speaking with management, there wasn't any heads up for anyone, and they decided, according to management, that they wanted full transparency so that the fleet would know. The archipelago's tanner crab season starts next month, but Kanagan says she's dismayed there seems to be little commitment for upcoming fishing seasons. They will be buying tanners and they will be buying for the A season of Pollock. They cannot expand on anything else past that. So we are salmon fishermen and they cannot guarantee that they will be available for us to buy our salmon. A spokesperson for Trident declined to verify if they will be buying tanners or salmon and refused to comment further, saying they're focused on supporting their employees, fishermen, and partners at this time. In the press release last week, Trident wrote it would operate, quote, a significantly scaled-back winter season in Kodiak, but did not provide any more information. Trident has a huge footprint in the community. The processing plant is one of the biggest buildings in the city's downtown and can process more than a million pounds of pollock a day. The company has been a part of the community for half a century and employs between one and 300 people, depending on what fishery they're processing. Pat Branson is the city of Kodiak's mayor. She says city officials didn't have any kind of advance notice that the processor would sell the Kodiak facility. Branson shared concerns for the Kodiak plant staff and families, especially going into the holiday season. It's going to affect everyone, whether you're involved in the fishing business or not. 
because that's what our economic engine is here. So having a major player in our community like Trident putting their business up for sale is really a concern for all of us. But Kodiak's not the only place Trident is selling assets. The company announced their facilities in False Pass, Petersburg, and Ketchikan are for sale as well. Bob Martin lives in Petersburg and sold fish to Trident for about 25 years. He says he was expecting Trident to shut down its plant nearby in Wrangell since it doesn't operate as often. They'd skipped a few years and they fired that up. And I thought maybe they were running that just, you know, to make it more <laughs> attractive to sell. I heard that rumor last year, but that was completely reverse uh, situation because <laughs> that's the one they seem to be hanging on to. But the plants there mostly focus on salmon in the summer. So Martin says he has a bit more time to figure out what he's doing. As hard as it was to hear, I, I guess I'm glad they told us now instead of, uh, <laughs> you know, later. So it does give us a time to curtail any extravagant spending and prepare for the worst. Gunnar Knapp is an economist and has followed Alaska's fisheries for decades. He says he was about as shocked as everyone else when the announcement was made, but understands that Trident is in a tough spot. In light of what we've heard people from Trident and other fish processing companies saying about the situation that they're facing, the challenges that they're facing with regard to their market, supply, demand, and that it's been a really, really tough time for them. Knapp says Trident isn't the first Alaska seafood processor to sell plants and assets. He says historically many companies have struggled to maintain a viable business in the state's fisheries. You've had uh, many large processors that have sort of been dominant for decades, and then the markets change, and uh, you have plants being bought and sold, and and things change, and, and sort of new players emerge, and so on. Kanagan in Kodiak says she would have liked to continue selling fish to Trident, but now that the plant she lives near is being sold, she has a lot of questions about job security. So it raises a tremendous amount of uncertainty in our minds right now of whether or not we will have a market. The other processing plants have full fleet, so where does that leave the 45 boats that fish for Trident out of Kodiak? Where do we go? What do we do? Kanagan says Trident leaving the island paints a bleak picture for the seafood industry as a whole. Kodiak has three other processors in town that employ hundreds of people between them during peak seasons. It's currently unknown if Trident has any potential buyers for the Kodiak processing plant or any of its other plants listed for sale. In Kodiak, I'm Brian Benoit. For KFSK, I'm Hannah Floor.